Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. We each have our own individual recipes that we season to taste, right, to, to beat the analogy to death over the course of our lifetime. And so our vision of a rich life also evolves as we evolve. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. What does a rich life look like? Our guest on this episode, Scarlett Cochran, she's founder of One Big Happy Life and author of the new book, It's Not About the Money, A Proven Path to Building Wealth and Living the Rich Life You Deserve, argues that a rich life has to be about more than the amount of money you have, the car you drive, and the house you live in. A rich life starts by asking yourself some seriously powerful questions. What does a meaningful, fulfilling, and that's what I mean by the word rich, a life that is filled with the experiences and the memories and the the impact and the legacy that you want to leave on the world? Those are the deep questions that we ask ourselves throughout our lives so that we're intentionally creating those lives on purpose. Armed with the answers to those questions, you can then start to fill in the money part. And the best part about building a rich life is that it can look like whatever you want. The problem is you're so used to defining your life by money when instead 
It just needs to be the other way around. It all costs money. But what we don't want to do is start with money rules. Instead, we start with the vision of the life that we're wanting to create, that we deeply desire to create, the life that we want to look back on at the end of our life and say, wow, that life was incredible. What do we need to do to create that life? How about we just dive into all of this with Scarlett? We're going to talk about what she calls the three purposes of money, what is actually getting in the way of us living a rich life, and we're even going to ponder the idea that once you reach $75,000 in income, that you've hit your happiness peak. I'm a little bit skeptical on that. All right, here's to living your best rich life. Let's start talking. Well, Scarlett, I am so thrilled to have you on Everyone's Talking Money podcast. This is going to be such a fun conversation. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to talking money. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Everyone's favorite subject. Um, <laughs> you've got this book that's that's about to hit the bookshelves. It's called It's Not About Money, A Proven Path to Building Wealth and Living a Rich Life. And I really want to dive into this idea of, you know, how do you create a rich life? Because it's we know it's got to be more than just the amount of money in your bank account, right? That that doesn't do anything for us. So we we've got to figure out, you know, how do we truly, you know, build a life around us that feels rich in all of the areas. So kind of start us off, you know, what does living a rich life look like? Is there a recipe for success? There is no one size fits all recipe. There is a, we each have our own individual recipes that we season to taste, right? To, to beat the analogy to death over the course of our lifetime. And so our vision of a rich life also evolves as we evolve. And so where we start is really by asking ourselves, what do we value? What does a meaningful, fulfilling, and that's what I mean by the word rich, a life that is filled with the experiences and the memories and the, the impact and the legacy that you want to leave on the world? Those are the deep questions that we ask ourselves throughout our lives so that we're intentionally creating those lives on purpose. And where the money comes in is that Modern life costs money. There's no getting around the fact that the things that we want to do and experience, the lifestyle that we want to create, it all costs money. But what we don't want to do is start with money rules. Instead, we start with the vision of the life that we're wanting to create, that we deeply desire to create, the life that we want to look back on at the end of our life and say, wow, that life was incredible. What do we need to do to create that life? And then we tell, we tell our money to do it. What if we're listening and we're like, okay, this sounds really great, but you know, I think for for so many of us, and I know I've been at this place in my life quite some time, where the idea of even creating the vision feels hard because it feels like, you know, why would I put something down on paper that feels completely unattainable to me at you know whatever stage of life I'm in? You know, how do you talk to people about like kind of getting past that? You know, it's clearly an obstacle that we put up in our path that stops us from even doing that piece. Well, the first thing I would say is that it's going to feel everything feels hard the first time we do it. And that's an important thing to remember. The expectation that something in order for something to be good or right, that it needs to feel easy, that it needs to come naturally to us, otherwise we're doing something wrong is not correct. We unless you were lucky enough to be born in a household that really focused on fostering that growth mindset and fostering this expansive notion of what's possible for a life, it's something that you have to do yourself as an adult, which means that you're actually overcoming conditioning that you, you know, our well-meaning parents gave to us. So like for me, for example, my parents, when they talked to me there, we were immigrants. We came from Guyana. Neither one of my parents graduated from high school. And my dad was a mechanic here in the United States. And for my parents, they're in their mind for me to be successful and they wanted me to be successful, like deeply desired that for me. The solution was for me to go to school, get a great education and become either a doctor or a lawyer. 
not much is different if we if we grew up in the United States. That's that's still right. always the goal, right? <laughs> like those are the two careers. And so what that does is instead of you know what my parents could have done had they known how was to teach me that, hey, it doesn't matter what career field you go into. I guarantee you there are people making the kind of money you want to make. The question is, do you want, first of all, how much money do you want to make? And do you want to follow through on that career given what it takes? Right. Those are the questions that ideally we'd be asking our children, like, what kind of lifestyle do you want to have? What kind of work do you feel called to do? And do those two align? And how can we make those align? But instead, my parents were like, become a doctor or a lawyer. Do not become a writer. <laughs> right. Writers don't make money is what my parents taught me. And so I became a lawyer. And so that is why, like, imagine now your parents deeply wanting to support you, teach you these things that they believe are the keys to success. And those are the keys that we have. So what we're doing now is forging new keys to the life that we want. So of course, it's going to feel hard. So that's first and foremost. So we understand why it feels hard to us. But secondly, the thing that I do, I always bring it back to the desire and the and our values and really forcing us to think about our future selves because we all have a disconnection between uh, who the future that we want and living in the present, right? So right. I really want to encourage you to connect with your future self and see them as future you as also present you. So you make decisions from your present and your future. And so for your future self, would you, which life do you prefer? The life where you didn't try, you took the easy path, the default path that was in front of you or the life where you tried over and over and over, like you gave it your best, right? You you showed up the best you could in your life and sure, not you didn't accomplish everything that you set your mind to, but you certainly accomplished a lot more than you would have had you just settled for the default comfortable life where you didn't challenge yourself. Which life would you prefer to look back on? Right, and yeah. everyone that I ask that question, it's always, well, I would rather have looked back on a life where I tried than a life where I'm like, wow, I really didn't do as much as I think I could have, which is one of the regrets of the dying, right? That right, they wish for sure. that they had cared less about what pe other people thought. They wish that they had focused more on their deepest desires and lived in alignment with their values their whole life. And so just reminding yourself that the discomfort of doing of pushing for a dream is le is more comfortable than the discomfort of reaching the end of your life and feeling like you just didn't give it everything that you had right yeah i mean it's i don't know it's such an interesting conversation you know to kind of unravel and like think about all of the different elements that go into really creating you know as you as you call it a rich life and there was um, a survey, you probably have heard of this, about 10 years ago or so uh, by this guy named Agnes Deaton. Hopefully I'm getting that right. He was a 2015 Nobel laureate in economics, and he hypothesized that peak happiness happens once we make about $75,000 in earnings. And anything over that, people were just not... Um, they're not getting happier per se, right? And I can kind of see both sides of this because, you know, um, as you talk in your in your book, it's not about the money and money alone can't make us happy. But for so many listening, it feels like the answer, right? It feels like money is the answer because they're struggling financially. They're just, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. And this doesn't necessarily matter how much money you're making. You know, I've I've worked with plenty of people who were living paycheck to paycheck who were making, you know, multiple six figures. So it's not always, um, you know, sort of based off of what we live. But I think this this number, the $75,000, it's it's really interesting kind of conversation starter. I'm wondering, you know, how do you feel about this? Do you think our happiness does hit a limit like at, at some level? And I, I guess maybe like this, maybe this is a three-parter. Like what happens if we actually never get to that dollar amount? Like, can we be happy? So, you know, I have absolutely heard of that study, right? It's often quoted. And now I'm realizing, you know what, I need to sit down and actually read the whole study because I'm deeply critical of the findings just because the way that we think about money impacts 
everything. And so with data-based studies like this, what they're really measuring is the sentiment of society at the time, Mm, right? right? And not necessarily what's possible for people. And so that's why I always take these studies with a grain of salt because like in the book, what I'm teaching is a new way of looking at money, right? How do we evolve our thinking when it comes to money and building wealth and what's possible for our lives? So I always take those types of studies with a grain of salt, because how do you even, how do you define happiness? How do you define, I think, satisfaction, life satisfaction was another thing that was measured in that study. Um, And so I question the study, right, especially when we're looking at those types of things to define rules for our lives, because even with studies, they are they may be statistically significant. They this may be true for a certain percentage of the population, but that doesn't mean that that rule will also be true for you. And I can tell you right now that for me, that rule is not true. I have much more, I won't say happiness, but I will say life satisfaction, ease in my life, a life that looks and feels exactly the way that I wanted to make when I made way more money than 75,000. But I will agree that I am not happier now that I make more than $75,000 a year. I think happiness is something that is available to us at every level. So I was happy. There were wonderful things about my life. And I loved my life even when I was making $24,000 a year as a single mom. And I'm also happy now making significantly more (laughs) than that. And so happiness is not about how much money we make. It's about designing our life on purpose and making use of what we have available to us at each moment. And I think it's also about how much choice and agency we feel that we have in our lives and how closely our lives align to the things that really matter to us. And to give an example of that, so let's say that someone did become a lawyer, but what they really love to do is work with their hands. And so they're making more than $75,000, but maybe they were at their happiest when they were making $75,000 doing construction work. Right. Yeah. And so that's how happiness comes into play that doesn't and it doesn't necessarily connect to how much money we make, but what we're doing with the life that we're living. So maybe like the the greater conversation that we need to be having as a society and whole is this idea of what is actual happiness and what are the components of it because like you know, we live in a very kind of scarcity driven uh, here in the United States. And, you know, we can open social media, we can, you know, look at a magazine or TV or whatever it might be. And we always see people that have more. And so it's it's just so easy, I think, to like glom onto that idea that that is the vision of happiness and that it has to be something more than what we're actually living and operating in. And, you know, something that I've really been working on myself is, trying to find, you know, in each day moments that I've felt happy to to really I guess like redefine what that what that actually means. I don't know. What, what do you think about that? No, absolutely. Uh, you, and here's the thing, it's not a bad thing to or let me say that there is value in even the feelings where we see something on social media or we see a magazine and we're like that person looks happier than me. There is value in that thought if we take it back to inside of ourselves and ask ourselves, what is it about that person's life that is appealing to me right now? Because that can give us insight on where we may not be living our lives in alignment with our own values. But there's also a second question that we always need to ask because we're sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, I would love to be let's say Jeff Bezos, right? One of the richest people in the world because that feels easy. Like, gosh, if I just had all that money, my life, all my problems would disappear. Right. Yes, all of your current problems would disappear. <laughs> but you have but no I guarantee ones. you, yes, Jeff Bezos has his own set of problems, right? Massive problems because now there's this whole company that he's like the head of. There's all these people watching everything that he does. There's constant criticism. How do you know if someone 
is actually befriending you because they like you or because they want to get access to you because you are powerful and you know people. There are all sorts of hosts of problems. But also to be Jeff Bezos, you had to have lived Jeff Bezos's whole life, including when he was selling books out of what his parents' garage, right? And so when we take ourselves there, when we say, oh, what does it really take to have that person's life? We actually don't want that. <laughs> and that's a good exercise to engage in, right? Don't let our minds feed us the, the simple, easy fairy tale of that person's life, but the reality of that person's life. And if the answer is yes, I actually want that, okay, then now you buckle down and you start thinking about what kind of business do I want to start, right? What could be my great big idea? And let me spend, let's see, how how long ago did he create Amazon? 30 years ago? A long time. Something like that? Yes. <laughs> let me spend 30 years building this billion-dollar business, right? And what's beautiful about that, though, is that it's available to us if we want it to be, right? Mm, and so- yeah. This is the exercise that we engage in. What do we actually want? What do we value? What's fulfilling to us? And if we keep coming back to those questions, then that will help us when we're in these moments of feeling like our lives aren't happy enough. But to connect back to the the small moments, again, going back to studies, studies are showing over and over that the thing that creates the most meaning and fulfillment in our lives is often the relationships that we have. And so making sure that we're spending time cultivating those relationships, it is those little moments on a day-to-day basis with the people that matter that are really going to lift us up, at least according to studies, which I've already said, (laughs) you take that with a grain of salt because every person is different. But We do all have a tendency to be looking ahead at what's next. And so we're missing the life that's actually happening because life can only be lived in the present. So I love that you take those moments throughout the day to really savor your life. That's what I call it, savoring your life. And I do the same thing. Every morning when I wake up, we just bought this house and I've always wanted a wooded backyard. So no one behind me, a very private backyard, but we're in a neighborhood. So it feels like the best of both worlds. But every morning I wake up and I look outside my window and I look at the view and I'm like, I can't believe this is my view. I'm so excited to wake up to this every morning. This is beautiful. Just taking 15, 30 seconds of deep appreciation of this beautiful thing that I have in my life that is really a simple everyday view of trees enhances my overall happiness for the whole day. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. 
Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Yeah, and I um, admittedly have not been very great at this in the past. <laughs> I will be the first one to kind of raise my hand and say, you know, I would probably give myself like a, you know, maybe a D or a, you know, D plus if I'm going to be, you know, uh, honest with myself. And so I find it to be you know, when we're talking about money and we're talking about happiness and we're talking about all of these, you know, kind of components to a rich life, relationships, I mean, everything for me, it really is like a journey because every day I wake up and I could feel different. I could feel frustrated or pissed off or I, whatever, or happy, you know, whatever, whatever the emotion is. And so I find that it's just like, it's kind of a constant thing that I, that I have to do. And you know, it really reminds me of um, uh, one of your chapters in your book. In your book, you called it three core purposes of money, and this this kind of really uh, just stood out to me. You say, you know, how you manage your money determines how you live your life. That's a that's a strong statement. I like that. I want to dive into that. But then you also say, and money serves three purposes: joy, stability, and independence. And I think it's really interesting. As we're as we're talking about this, to, to think about those three different components. So, tell us about these uh, these kind of three components or purposes, and you know how do they actually relate to how we deal with money on like a day to day basis? Yeah. So, I developed these three core purposes as I was thinking through. Well, what do we actually do with money? Why does it exist? right? How does it serve our lives? And it really does come down to these three core purposes. We invest our money, we grow it so that it can support us when we are ready to stop working, when we want to stop working, when we have to stop working. Because just because we're no longer making money, earning money, we don't have money coming in from our labor, doesn't mean we stop needing money. So that's why independence is so important, right? You need some sort of um, nest egg to support you in your later years. And that can look different for different people, different cultures. It can be your children are your safety net later on in life and your, your independence later on in life. But that's essential. Secondly, we have the safety net. And that's because life is unpredictable. 
right? We have ebbs and flows. We have the, what I call the expected unexpected. So things that we know are going to happen, but we just don't know when. So chances are you're going to need a new car at some point because they don't last forever. You're going to, things are going to break down. You're going to need a new roof. So we need to have the financial resources to support ourselves when the, these things happen so that we're not just completely wiped out by these tsunamis that sometimes come along in life. And then, but also this joy is the last one. And, but I also feel like joy is the first one. It's the one, the reason we are living is to be able to enjoy our lives. Money exists to allow us to spend in alignment with the things that make us happy. So to create the day-to-day life that we love, whether it's being able to uh, bike to work, right? So to be able to live close enough to bike to work, to be able to buy your bike, to be able to take vacations with your family, to be able to have beautiful decor in a space that you absolutely love. And I think so often in the personal finance conversation, we never talk about spending in alignment with our values. Like how do we spend money well to maximize the value that we're getting from the money that we're spending? We're just taught to not spend. Right. right. But that doesn't work very well, right? (laughs) Not for most people. Most people like to be able to spend on the things that they enjoy. They want to be able to see something and buy it. They want to be able to go to the grocery store, buy healthy food, and not have to worry about coupon clipping and finding coupons that they can't have it if there's not a coupon. Most people don't want to have to do that. And they don't have to do that either, at least not for the long term in their lives. Obviously, where you're starting is where you're starting. And once upon a time, I needed to do that. I had to be really frugal because that's the capacity that I had in terms of the amount of money that I was earning. But I worked to grow that so I could make more money so I could spend differently. But if we don't accept that spending for joy is something that it's okay for us to want to do, then what incentive do we have to elevate ourselves in terms of how much money we make. I love that idea. Yeah. I love that idea of spending for joy. Uh, I always tell people like, build yourself in a reward, go do something that you love. I mean, this isn't, yeah, this isn't just about saving money and paying everybody and, you know, just, you know, having whatever's left over to, to enjoy your life. Um, And it's, you know, I've thought about that from so many different perspectives because, you know, of course, I've gotten pushback on that. Well, you know, if if I don't have a lot of money, you know, and and all my money goes to my bills and, you know, how do I how do I find any amount of money? But there, you know, I'm just convinced that um, there's always a way to carve out even the the smallest amount to do something that 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 makes you feel joyful. And I want to get back to your story in just a minute. But you know, I, I first want to just talk about, we've talked about a lot of ideas around this idea of creating a rich life, but you know, where do we start if we're listening and we're like, okay, yeah, th- this all sounds good to me, but where do I actually start? Like what's actually my kind of action steps to actually bring this into life? What would you tell us? I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied. Or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is 
always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. I'm sorry, but I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust. She is a mini golden mountain doodle, full of life, and I would do just about anything to keep her happy, healthy, and safe. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family and you want to do the best for them, but vet bills can really add up. We jokingly keep telling Winnie she needs to get a job to pay for her vet bill. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customized accident and illness plans making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping to ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independent American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer, is not engaged in the business of insurance. One of the first places that I like to start is with your future self. And one of the exercises that I take people through inside of my Wealth Builder Society program is the 100-year-old self exercise. So I'm I have them imagine that they are 100 years old, they're in their final moments in life and they're looking back on this beautiful, well-lived life. And they're just thrilled with the life that they lived. They and they so much so that they just feel complete satisfaction in these last moments of their life. There's no regret. There's no sadness. There's just like, wow, this was, this was just one hell of a ride. And it's like, what does that life look like? Because that is the feeling that I want every person to have at the end of their lives, that they really deeply lived 
their life. And it didn't just pass them by and they didn't miss out because they designed their life on purpose their whole life. And so that is a beautiful place to start because then you're thinking about what are the things that will stand out to me when I'm older? And that allows you to see where there may be a disconnect with what you're li- how you're living your life now, but how you actually deeply desire to be living your life. And so that's where you start. And for so many people, that's really surprising that we start with the future vision of their lives and not, oh, let's just break out your spending for the past 30 <laughs> to 60 days to see how you've actually been spending. Let's put together your budget. It's like, no, because your money is meant to serve your ideal life. So you have to have that vision in place first. And this also allows people to start practicing possibilities. So because this is not something, that that is a phrase that I use, practicing possibilities. So really thinking about what are all, before deciding the how, right? You decide what you want and then you start brainstorming. What are all the ways that I could actually make this happen for me? What are the different paths that could lead to this life? So then we see the options that we have because so often it's very easy to get bogged down in your day-to-day life and the overwhelm and the hecticness of day-to-day life that we don't pause to realize that, hey, I could actually make small tweaks here and there over the course of the next few weeks and months that will take me to a completely different place in three to five years. Mm. I, and so I like that that's exercise. Where you start. Yeah, I'm also thinking. I, I don't know if you've had any feedback from what people have said when they're kind of cra- crafting this idea of their, you know, their, you know, future self. But I would imagine that probably nobody is actually writing down, or very few people. I won't say nobody. Very few people are actually writing down like a, a specific dollar amount. That it's more about like experiences and relationships and you know, places they want to go visit and, you know, businesses or whatever it might be. But it it's probably, I would feel like filled out with, with some of those, um, those ideas more so than, you know, having a million dollars in my bank account. Because if I have a million dollars in my bank account, when I take my last breath, it, it doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> you know, it, exactly. it matters probably to someone else, but not to me. So, you know, I, I I would be curious, like if people actually, um, you know, create those in in that form. Yeah, there's never a dollar amount. I mean, the even something that you would think of in terms of well, what happens to my money after I'm gone? They're thinking of things like, um, and this is one for me. So I would love to be able to fund a scholarship at Yale Law School for you know, people who wouldn't otherwise be able to attend because they didn't have the ability to pay. And that helped me afford going to Yale Law School, which really did change the trajectory of my life. And so, but even for that, it's not, well, I want to have three or $5 million left over when I die. It's this, I want to be able to serve this specific purpose for this specific reason, connected to my personal values around the legacy that I want to create in the world. And so no one ever says, I want to have $50,000 might be, I want to be able to pay for my grandkids to go to college. And so then only after stating it in terms of the life impact, right? And values, do we then ask the question, okay, so now that we know what you want and why, how much does that life cost? And now we have a financial target, but it's always a means to an end. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I like I like thinking about that a lot. I'm definitely gonna gonna kind of noodle that idea myself. And you know, you're, you talked a little bit about yeah, law school, and I love talking about money stories on this show. And just want to dive a little bit into yours. I know you you're obviously a finance attorney, graduated from Yale Law School. You're a money expert. You worked in the nonprofit sector for about ten years, and then you created uh, your site, your brand, One Big Happy Life, uh, and you know, you were also a single teen mom. You talked about a little bit, a little bit about that. You had to kind of figure things out. So, you know, life has been kind of multidimensional for you, as it, as it has for 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 a lot of us. You've been in this pursuit, obviously, of creating this idea of a rich life for some time now. You know, what are some of the what are some of the, like biggest money lessons that you've learned along the way, and you know how you've maybe in turn, um, you know, turned those into 
ideas or thoughts or strategies that you, you know, try to help other people navigate through? I mean, the biggest lesson has to be the what we've been talking about this whole time, which is that your financial decisions and your financial goals should be aligned with the life that you want to create. And you get to decide what that life looks like, not your current circumstances and not when, what other people are telling you you should be doing with your life or with your money. Because when I was a single teen mom, uh, all all I heard was what I couldn't do, right? Everyone had opinions about how really how little I was now capable of because I was a single teen mom. They didn't think that, first of all, that I could even be a, a good mom and provide for a child because even though I was working full-time as an active duty Marine, we weren't making that much money. I think things have gotten a little bit better, but I was working full time. And before I moved out of the barracks, which is like military housing, I was making $14,000 a year working a full time job. So wow. here I am pregnant, no driver's license, nothing but the clothes that I have and a boom box and a baby on the way making $14,000 a year. And then when I moved out of the barracks, because now I'm expecting so I can have a housing allowance, I was only making $24,000 a year. And yes, that was 20 years ago. So like understand that $24,000 20 years ago is different from $24,000 today, but it still was below the federal poverty line. So it still wasn't that much money. And I still qualified for like WIC, for example, which is a public assistance program. And so how is someone who's working full time for the U.S. military on, you know, basically on welfare. That's like insane to me that that was the case, but it was. And this is during 9-11 too. So uh, we're in a time of war and yet our military people make so little money. And so I'm not surprised then that people thought, well, how are you going to provide a good life for a baby making $24,000 a year? But they just didn't know how. And they also had this very limited view where where I was right now is where I would right then was where I would be for my entire life. And that wasn't true. And so thank goodness that I'm just like contrarian in nature, right? That was my gift, much to my parents' chagrin, that I was born just an argumentative, just rule-shirking <laughs> kind of child. For very strict West Indian parents, that was like a no-go, but it served me well in life because I just fixated on, well, this is what I want. I don't care what anyone else says because, well, if they don't, what other choice do I have? I'm not going to settle for this. I might as well keep trying for this and see what happens. And so that's what allowed me to Google Thank you, Google, for existing so that I could Google how to buy my first house. I bought my first house when I was 20 years old. You know, how to Google how to get into college because I no, I got no advice on how to go to college. I didn't know how the college system worked. Remember, neither one of my parents even graduated from high school. I Googled it. I Googled how to get into law school and boom, you know, here we are. And so the only thing that made the difference was that I was just committed to this future and figuring it out. And so right. that is the biggest lesson that I want people to take away, that your life is yours to create on purpose, regardless of your circumstances. There's always going to be this person that was the first person to do it. And that person can be you. And why not you? And that's one of my favorite questions whenever I start to feel like, oh, well, how could I do this? I'm like, well, why not me, right? What's so, <laughs> might as well be if it's going to be anyone. Ra I'd rather try than watch someone else do what I wanted to do. I think that should be our motto for 2023, right? Why not right? me? <laughs> yeah, why not me? Money is something, it's a skill that you can learn. And it's a skill that you get better at as you practice it over time. One of the things that I see people that I work with struggle with is this idea that the minute they get inside of Wealth Builder Society and they start working on these tools, that their thoughts, their thought patterns, their behavior patterns, their habits will just change overnight. But it is a process. It's a process, it's a process that does not end and it shouldn't end. And this is 
something that I really want people to understand that the process of understanding money and managing your money effectively, which means using it to meet your ends and needs and desires, is something that you do your entire life. And if you don't, this tendency to want to avoid money, your financial skills will atrophy over time. And that's where we have elder financial abuse. So running so rampant when people get older because they never develop the skills. Uh, too many women let their husbands handle the money so their skills atrophy over time. And so we lose our ability to make the best financial decisions for ourselves. So just accept that managing your money well is something that doesn't have to take a lot of time, but is something that deserves a small portion of your time for the rest of your life so that you can have the results that you want in your life. Well, we, we've talked about so much. I'm a big fan of the show of talking about action steps. And I love that you end each chapter of your book. You've got a few action steps for us to do uh, as we kind of close out a chapter. I'm wondering, you know, do you have any you know, favorite action steps that you think everybody listening, if they only take away this, that sh- they should start doing right now to really help them build this idea of a rich life? Oh, just one. Um, <laughs> I know it's it's a tough task. That's so if I have to pick one, then it's it's not going to be a specific financial tactic. It's going to be that focus on that commitment to the extraordinary life that you deeply desire. Because if you just sh- commit to that every single day, you cannot help but show up in your life differently. Right? Because when we connect, that it's that connecting to that intrinsic motivation within us that will just allow us to become a person who creates a rich, rich life just like on default. It's just who we are because we're someone then, if you know, hey, I want to be able to take my kids to Disney like every other year and to do that. I'm going to need an extra $6,000 in our vacation budget a year, which means I need to make $6,000 more right so those connections happen then your your brain is automatically going to be looking for it even if you're not doing it on purpose saying i'm going to look for jobs this week it's you'll hear something from a friend like oh did you know in hr there's this new position that's going to be opening up and your brain is like what <laughs> your brain will perk up and say hey that's my kids every other year to disney vacation fund i'm going to see what i need to do to get that so if i had to pick only one that's where i'm going to say what I'm going to say to do, because that is how we make sure that we are primed and ready for the opportunities that come up to help us create the life that we want. I really wish I would have embraced this idea of figuring out what a rich life looks like to me way back in my early 20s. I think it would have saved me a lot of grief of trying to figure out what I really wanted versus what someone else's version of a rich life looked like. It really wasn't until late 2022 when I packed up everything and moved cross-country in this pursuit of finding a version of life that was so different from what I'd known for so long. I wanted nature, an open space, and a better community, a smaller town, and just space to think and explore. As Scarlett shares in this episode, it takes courage to chase after your vision of a rich life. Then you just got to use the money part as your tool to help make that vision come to life. If you want to grab a copy of Scarlett's book, It's Not About the Money, it is available everywhere books are sold. She even has a big list of independent retailers on her site, onehappylife.com book. There you can also get all the free companion resources to help you implement this idea of a rich life much faster. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a few friends, bring them in on this idea of cultivating a rich life. As always, you can head the show notes for all the links to our episode sponsors, as well as our guests. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. 